You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pacers fans, happy Monday. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast. Week three of the season coming up. I'm pretty excited for some star-studded weeks, and they're playing against some big market teams, which will be fun. As always, I'm one of the hosts of the show, Tony East with the West Indianapolis Community News and over at 8 points, 9 seconds. Um, and there's something I want to talk about besides previewing the Portland game, which we'll do first. I want to talk about a specific veteran's good contributions for the Pacers this season. I won't ruin it, but I might have given it away by saying the word veteran. But again, you'll find out uh, at, after I talk about the Portland game coming up. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the Sunday uh, show. We rarely do Sunday shows, but we took that Tuesday off before the season, uh, right before the season, if you'll remember correctly. Uh, and the, the Cavs game timing with Lou getting fired, it all just... Added up to a good time to do a pod about the Cavs, and so we got it out there. But now we're going to talk Portland, who they play today, uh, and we're going to talk about a veteran. Also, as I'm recording, the Colts trail 28-21 at the end of three. If the Colts lose to the Raiders, it might be time for all of you to shift your full attention to the Pacers. That was a desperate call. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Pacers basketball, back at home in Banker's Life, they've had four away games this year. Um, as, as a broader statement, four away games, four wins, I know those aren't the exact four wins they have, but that's a pretty good start to the year to be 4-2 and two with four road games and only two Hoden games. Um, but the Blazers come in at 3-2. and two. Or do they play today? Crap, I could be. Uh, they do not. Okay, this is the first game of back-to-back for the Blazers. They are 3-2 and two heading into this game. Um, currently sitting at 12th in pace, 3rd in offense, and 20th in defense, which is pretty par for the course for the Blazers, if you'll recall last year. Uh, 15th in offense and 8th in defense. Uh, so they are, you know, a little bit above average usually on offense with, with Dame and CJ. And their defense last year anchored by Nurkic was very good. Um, this year he, that has not sustained because Nurkic being a good defender is not really a thing. Um, I was kind of shocked by that last year. I don't I, – maybe it is sustainable, but I'm not sure it's really a thing. So we're, we're seeing a little bit better offense, a little bit worse defense Portland than we did last year. It's also early in the year. But anyway – um, so this Portland team is the same one we always see with now Zach Collins instead of Ed Davis, basically. I mean, they're running through the same basic rotation as last year. Their starting five is uh, has been, every game has been Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Jake Lehman, Al Farouk Amino, and Yusef Nurkic. But Jake Lehman only gets a start um, in like, the, you remember Keith Bogans that year for the Bulls when he started and averaged like 10 minutes a game or something? Lehman is currently averaging 12 getting outminutes by Evan Turner, Nick Stauskas, Zach Collins, Seth Curry, and Mo Harkless. He's 10th on the team in minutes, yet he's starting every game. Um, maybe they're making a push to get his trade value up, and that's why he's starting so much, which is kind of funny. Um, but he's a non-factor. He just happens to be the fifth starter, really. Uh, Evan Turner and and Zach Collins and Seth Curry are their reserves. Mo Harkless is pretty good as well. Um, but what it, what it comes down to for this team is, is Lillard and McCollum. Uh, last year... The first game the Pacers played the Blazers was in Bianca's life. I think it was the second game for the Pacers the whole season, and Lillard had 28. Uh, I think the the Blazers won by 16 or something. They won both games by double digits last year. Um, something about them the Pacers just couldn't really figure out. It's hard to guard both of these guards. The second game, Lillard did worse. I think he, he, he went 28-16, and McCollum went 16-28, which what I was going to say is in the second game, McCollum was the big guy, dropping 28 in. He made two-thirds of his threes. So that's kind of what they do. You know, if you shut down one of them, they just operate through the other one and manufacture points that way, um, which is tough to guard. Uh, they're both prolific scorers from just everywhere. They're both shooting 
over 38 or they're both shooting 39% from three or a little better this year uh, combined averaging like 54 points a game that's just crazy it's so hard to stop two prolific guys like that I know neither of them are going to blow you out of the water on defense but they've got Aminu on the wing to shut down the best wing I mean they'll be fine um, and they really do have a team that matches up pretty well with this Pacers team so it's going to be it's fascinating to see that uh that, that, that this team is coming back in Indiana again. And I think, I don't, you know, Collison is not really fit for this. Is the, this is the game where Collison is the worst fit of any game because Lillard is substantially better than him. Um, and, and they can find a way to slow down Collison. Their scheme sort of works to, to slow him down. Um, at the same time, uh, they can score all over him with whatever guard he's on. Uh, they showcased that last year. Um, so he probably won't be super effective in this game unless he can finally get going a little bit off the ball, which has not been working for him this season. So um, I am worried about that matchup, particularly. Uh, also, Yusuf Nurkic is the is a bully. I mean, Nurkic is, is quietly averaging over 10 rebounds a game this year. He always is, always, is inside. He He's kind of like Sabonis. He always rolls to the rim. He's always around the basket on D, so it looks like he's a good defender, even though he just happens to be around the basket. Um, stuff like that. He's a fine player, but he's not anything special. But he is a tough matchup for Turner in that, uh, you know, he's always around the basket. So Turner's going to have to – Turner can't really stretch him out. So Turner hitting his jumpers will be key in this game. Uh, Turner, I saw from iPazer's blog's tweets today, tweeted a bunch of shot charts for a bunch of guys. Turner's 9 for 19 on long twos, which is good unsustainable uh, a lot of words to describe it i hope he stops taking that shot 9 of 19 if he continues at that percentage that's a good shot but i am skeptical that miles turner can continue to shoot over 40 percent on 20 footers um and that's just a bad shot and, and and maybe he'll get a lot of them against this blazers team because nurkic won't just won't come out to him out there but i mean he should just get behind the three-point line i'm gonna say that a lot about him this year um and on the other end of the floor you know nurkic will roll It'll force Turner into drop coverage, which he could do well with the guards, but, I mean, I think there'll be a lot of dump-offs that Nurkic gets some easy points. Um, but Zach Lowe wrote about in Nurkic this summer. He calls it Nurkic disease now. Uh, Turner has a little bit of it. I tweeted or Did I tweet about it or did I podcast about it? I did. I said it on the show. They both are guys who they have bunnies that they could dunk and they don't dunk and then they miss, and it's just so frustrating because you just wish they would just – they're seven-foot-tall dudes, like, jump up and put two hands on the ball and slam it in. Um, but Turner can impact the game on those drop coverages against these two guards. Um, I think collectively, neither of the only only time either of them shot over 50% against the Pacers last year was that McCollum game, uh, the second time when they played in Portland. So they actually do okay of making them miss. It's just they get decent looks uh, enough that it, it shapes the defense enough for them to be able to win. Um, so Turner has a tough matchup. Uh, Collison has a tough matchup. I think everywhere else the Pacers are, are okay. Um the bench especially, I mean, maybe maybe this is real. Like, maybe Nick Stauskas is really good. Uh, not really good. Maybe Nick Stauskas is an all right player who can be good for this Portland team. If you'll recall, he went off on opening night and led them to a, a nice win uh, against the Lakers. Zach Collins has been excellent this year. He's shooting 76, 77% from two-point range, 70% on the season. Uh, he's just looked awesome, and they needed a guy to step into the Ed Davis role. I mean, people kind of gave up on Zach Collins um, because he didn't play a ton last year, but he got picked 10th for a reason. Like, he was pretty good at Gonzaga. So, and they need a good center. I mean, Nurkic is kind of not really expensive, but they'll need a guy when Nurkic is gone. Uh, they have some youth in Collins, and I, I, th- I think he's actually a pretty good player. But the problem is Sabonis can, can eat him up. He's a young center, right? So he's not a great defender. Sabonis is going to roll all over this dude. 
Um, and for all Collins is, he's not a he's he's kind of stretchier. You know, he likes to take jumpers. Uh, he only averages five rebounds a game. His rebound percentage is not nearly what Nurkic puts up. I believe I should have had that sorted when I when I opened up the uh, the Blazers sheets. Yes, he actually has a rebound percentage below Mo Harkless. He's 12.7%, while Nurkic is over 20. Um, so he will get bullied on the glass by Sabonis. Second unit is going to just blow this Blazers one away is what I was getting at. Um, Collins will not be gr- good enough in this variety to do it, unless Stauskas shoots the lights out like he did uh, against the Lakers. You know, I don't know if they have enough firepower. And their second unit is supported by a lot of shooting. Seth Curry hitting half his threes this year, shooting almost five a game and hitting half of them. I mean, that's exactly what you want Seth Curry to do. He's a good guy to have on your team. There's a reason he's playing more than Jake Lehman. Uh, and Mo Harkless is, is just a, like... He's just okay on both ends of the floor, but that's exactly what they need Mo Harkless to be is okay because they do not have any depth on this team. Um, so really, they the, the problem with their bench is they don't have a ball handler. They play a ton of either of Lillard and McCollum. I, I mean, they both played over 160 minutes. No one else has played over 145. Like, they have 20 more minutes across five games than anyone else. That's kind of wild. They're the only guys playing over 30 minutes a game for this team. I think one of them's always on the floor, almost always on the floor. Um, except for garbage time, which who cares? They had Wade Baldwin come in and play three minutes one game. I think that's probably what's separating um, their, their their minutes from everybody else's. So that, you know, I think the, the starters, it's going to be pretty even. Um, maybe even a little in Portland's favor, to be honest. Lillard is the best player on either team to me. Um, and, and they just have McCollum's a good fit with him. They have the right setup. When Lehman comes out, too, they get a little stronger. But the reserves, like every game, you know, that that's where the Pacers are going to have their chance to, to really put this one in their favor. Um, in the Minnesota game, you know, that was the game that their bench lost, and they lost that game. They could have won it if it weren't for that, that 12-0 run to start the fourth. Um, and the Bucks were just better opening a new stadium. Like, really, the benches have kept them afloat in a lot of their games this year, and I don't think that's going to be any different in this one. So that's what it's about to me. Um, if we, we, me and Adam don't get to do a weekly show for this one because of the timing of the game. Every Monday game, we're going to struggle with that, and they have another one next week, so I hate that they keep happening. But we're just going to struggle to get a weekly show up about it. So I'll do a Butcher and an X-Factor on my own. Butcher, Damian Lillard. Um, he's killing it right now. He leads the league in scoring 34 a game. Uh, he's dropped over 42 in a row since this heckling Magic fan just got in his head. Dame just scorched the Magic and went off in their fifth game as well. Um Collison's going to have his hands full. I think you're going to see more Corey Joseph than normal. Uh, he is the best defensive guard who's not Victor Oladipo on the team. I mean, that's that sounds dumb because they only play four guards. But, I mean, that's good. That, you know, that's what they need in this game. They need If they can go a lot of Corey Joe and Vic to maybe slow down McCollum and Lillard as much as they can, that might be their best chance um, to not get killed in the starters v. starter situations. Um, so Corey Joseph is, is on the flip side of Lillard is, is my – uh, X-Factor for the Pacers. It's rare that Corey Joseph gets X-Factor status, but I mean, he's quietly been very good, and I'll give it away. He's the veteran I'm going to talk about in this gap uh, after this break coming up, um, but he's been pretty good this year, and I think uh, he could be a key in this game, uh, and I, I'm going to be intrigued to see how they use him. So if, if he can play well and keep shooting well, I keep I don't want to step on what I'm about to talk about, so I'm trying not to say too much about him, um, then I think he could be, he could be a key that the he could be a big plus that helps the Pacers win this game. Um, overall, though, I think the Pacers are going to win. I think they are the better team just overall talent-wise, but I think it'll be close because stars make it you know, always a close game. I think they're going to win by two or three. 
um, and keep this winning streak going. They've won two in a row. They've looked pretty good in both games. The Spurs are pretty good. The Cavs are really awful. Um, but they won both. They found a way to win both despite doing terribly rebounding in the second game. So I think they keep that rolling yeah, in this Blazers game. And, and they'll roll in 5-2, uh, and two and we'll all look stupid for freaking out about, well, we all, uh, I didn't, but a lot of you will feel stupid for freaking out about them after four games. Um, but now I'm going to take a little break and talk about uh, the veteran I gave away, Corey Joseph, for a little bit, because I think his contributions this season have been a bit underrated. So uh, stick around after this break to hear Corey Joseph stuff. So let's let, let's talk about Corey Joseph. I keep doing player focuses on the second half of these game previews, and I really enjoy doing that. Um, you know, I did the Turner one last week. I did the Young Guys yesterday. We got uh, if you haven't listened to Sunday Show because they're rare, go listen. I talked about Sumner Holiday and Leaf, um, but I want to do Corey Joseph today. I think he does, has earned a spotlight, and you know why? I'll open. I'll bury the lead completely. Kind of. I can't. Can you bury a lead when you're talking? Is that a thing? I think you can. Uh, Corey Joseph is a plus 66 in six games this season. He's over averaging over plus 10 per game. Like the team is outscoring the opponent by over 10 points a game with Joseph on the floor. And there is a lot of confounding variables in plus minus, right? Like he's playing with a great second unit. We talk about how good the bench is every time we talk about the Pacers playing against their matchup. Uh, they have good fit guys next to him. Uh, they've been playing some weaker second units too. But there's something to say for Joseph here too that he does play with the starter sometimes. He's averaging just as many minutes as Collison, basically. Um, you know, at about half the game. I mean, he really has been excellent this year, and, and that needs to be talked about because having a quality point guard on the court at all times is really important. Uh, teams with bad point guards are just bad. Like, that's just how it is. Um, and Joseph is proving that he can keep this. You know, I know he's not the ball handler, but point guard is still important. You have to guard the other point guard, and he's great at that. Um, you know, against the Spurs, he played great D. He shot the lights out in that game. I'll get to his shooting momentarily. Uh, I feel like every game he's just doing well, hounding the second unit, the opposing second unit's guards, and that's that's huge. I mean, Caitlin's piece, I think, called Joseph the the cog that makes this, the system run or something like that on the second unit. It was very good. Um, and, and that's exactly what he is. You know, he does a lot of the right stuff. He funnels guys into the middle when there's drop. He hounds guys on the wing. He's good at closeouts. Um he doesn't ever gamble on steals, which can be good, but it's usually not. And I mean, unless you're really good at timing them like Paul George or Vic, uh, you know, it's usually better to stay at home. Corey Joseph does that. Uh, he's a good slasher. And the thing that makes him so effective so far this year is he's shooting unbelievably well. Uh, if you'll recall last year, he shot really well to start the year and that leveled off. Maybe that's just how he is. Um, but he is currently 8 for 14 this year. Taking over two a game and hitting um, over half of them is absurd. For a guy like Joseph, who his best three-point percentage season was um, was 36.4, and in that season he only took 44 total attempts. <laughs> so it's hard to say. Like like he misses one more, and he goes down to 34 something percent, which would be his third best. So it's just low attempts. Last year was easily his best shooting season, uh, based on volume and percentage blended. If he can keep that percentage up, oh man, is he going to be a guy you have to keep on the court? Because he is just. I mean, not like start, keep on the court. You know, I always, I, I never want lineup changes until I say I want a lineup change, just because I feel like I talk like I want lineup changes a lot. Um, but if he keeps shooting like this, he's got to keep getting minutes just because of his defense. Um, and the ball going in the rim for an off-ball guy who doesn't have the ball very much is exactly what you need. Uh, he's rebounding very well, like substantial career-high rebound rate for Joseph right now, 9.2%. That's like approaching 
like a like a power like a stretchy power forward who's kind of around the basket levels and he's a point guard. His defensive rebounding rate is 17.6. His previous career high was 11.4. Like that is crazy good. Turnovers are haunting him this year, um, and he's usually not a high turnover guy. So if all of his improvements continue while his turnovers go down, he could become one heck of a guy to keep on the court. And considering how much he plays and how useful he is, I feel like that you know that would be just a huge boom for the Pacers to have a guy like that. Um, and I've always been one of Corey Joseph's biggest fans. Last year, a lot of people were moaning in the playoffs, like, why are we playing this dude who averages six points a game in the playoffs? But, like, it's about his defense, and, and the bench's job is just to not let the score get out of hand when they're in the game. And he does even more than that. He almost swings it in the Pacers' favor, which is huge. He rarely turns it over uh, before the season, of course. So, you know, he just does a lot of little stuff well, and I and I you know I'm very happy with the way he's play. To, very happy to, to see him play the way he's playing. Contract year two, which is great for him. Um, you know, I I just really think that he could be a key for this team going through the season if he continues to be this great backup point guard. Uh, most teams don't have some teams don't even have starters as good as Corey Joseph at the one. So it's really a huge competitive advantage for this guy. Uh, and I look forward to seeing to seeing how that keeps up. I think. You know, I I only think it can continue to to get slightly worse. I mean, his shooting will pro- almost no 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 no. I'm not even gonna say almost. His shooting is going to regress. Um, but how much is the question? And if it, if it stays pretty good, you know, maybe he's a great fit with Tyreek Evans, then then he's gonna be a guy you have to keep on the court. So good stuff from Corey Joseph this season. I think this Portland game will be a huge test for him. I think he's gonna play almost 30 minutes that game. Um, his season high isn't even 30 minutes this season. I think it's like 28 and a half. Yeah. Um, but I think this could be his, his season high against Portland. So be on the lookout for a lot of Kojo. Uh, be on the lookout for some great defense from him and pairing with Vic. And most importantly, be on the lookout for his cornrows and smile because he's just a genuinely happy dude all the time. But that is it for today's Locked On Pacers podcast. Hope you are pumped about finally having a game back after having one game in five days, which seems kind of crazy. Uh, no, that's wrong. I'm sorry. No, that is that is wrong. They are having two games in five days. For some reason, I thought there were two days before and after. It feels like that Cavs game was forever ago. Anyway, um, we'll be back tomorrow with our actual weekly show, recapping about a week of action, previewing about a week of action. Um, but thanks for tuning in, and have a great week and Monday.